I don't know. That's interesting. So, all right, we're here. We got Steve mm. and Mike of Ground Tech. I'm Rob at Feedback Ranch, and we're. Uh, I want to tell your stories. You guys are entrepreneurs. You guys have been an excavating company for how long? About six years. And we're out of the Twin Cities here a little bit. Why don't you guys just introduce yourselves, tell us who you are, help people get to know you a little bit, and we're going to talk, just for anybody that's listening right now, we're going to talk about starting up a business. We're going to talk about the, the lessons, the stuff that you've had to go through. Um, and, and just to pique your curiosity, folks, you guys dug how many basements last year? 502. 502. And now you have a little bit leaner business right now. You guys have been shifting. We're mm-hmm. going to talk about that a little bit because the economic ties. You're digging basements for builders, and you've been doing that. You had a landscaping company, but 500, you had up to 40 employees. Now you're kind of at this 20 because you're you're trying to lean down. But just, folks, the I look up to these guys a lot. And uh, just so everybody knows, I met Steve at Eagle Brook Church, at yep. our church that we go to. And God had used Eagle Brook Church to transform my life into just a better version. He saved me through that in a lot of ways. And then I bumped into you because my dad yep. like introduced us because he's trying to sell you yellow stuff. And uh, and then over time, we kept bumping into each other. And eventually, you showed up, I think, one or two times. And then now it's like 12 years later. <laughs> <laughs> and now we're helping you. Uh, we're going to try and command the, the sewer and water market here in the Twin Cities. That's our calling as a, as a web design and marketing company. We're trying to get you set up and just dominate that. Meanwhile, we got we're gonna we got some interesting stuff, guys. Just you know, I hate when people are like big announcement coming later, but um, I think legit we're gonna we're gonna change some stuff here. But why don't you guys introduce yourself? That's my little intro. <laughs> get it, Mike. Like, yeah, Mike. Boom. Boom. Yeah, there's really there's really nothing special about me. Um, <laughs> I'm just the analytical guy. I cut numbers and I've got ideas. I it just doesn't stop, but. Uh, so I'm kind of in one corner of this business, and uh, Steve and Pete are in another corner. Pete kind of runs the field. Steve uh, is uh, customer-facing, working with the customers and kind of directly with the employees, and Pete's making it happen out in the field with the equipment, with the maintenance. And then I kind of do the cold part of it, which is uh, numbers, just play with the computer. So and- you're Mike, and you guys are all brothers. Yeah. Yeah. That's the yeah. other thing. So you guys are, are brothers. Let's yeah, just yeah. clarify that, folks. If you're listening... My brother, I love my brother, but like, I don't know. There's all sorts. Of, I want to hear. Like, I think I would drive my brother up the wall. If, <laughs> if you ever got in a fight, you have to realize that you want to uh, you want to have each other's back, right? And that's that's life. Life's a fight, right? And the three of us have our backs against each other, pushing out instead of pushing at each other. Mm. So we kind of look at it like it's a protective mechanism. Um, I take care of Pete. Pete takes care of me. Steve takes care of me. Pete takes care of Steve. It's a yeah. what's the birth know, order? Pete's the oldest. Pete's the Steve's oldest. in the middle, and I'm the youngest. And you're the youngest. Yep. Okay. Okay. And then, so I'm Steve. Um, I work with the customers. I also work with the employees on a daily basis. Um, I'm kind of a people person, so I enjoy um, everybody's individual story, and so that's why I've kind of uh, uh, taken on the role of working with the people. So I, I got a good relationship with all the builders. Got a great relationship with all the employees, and for that, it helps us motivate. Uh, motivate our company to grow. So that's you, what we do. You do the numbers. You talk to the people, yep. then Pete does everything. Yeah, Pete, <laughs> Pete, deals with the, Pete deals with the field. So Pete's also uh, front-facing with the uh, with the customers. And then he also just makes sure that we're executing as a company um, the way we, A, started, and then, B, what the customers um, have come to 
come to expect. So I love it. All right. So I part of what we're going to be doing, we're going to be doing a thing called College of Dirt. Yeah. Collegeofdirt.com. It's not up and going yet, but at risk of, of even just sharing a little bit about it, I think it's going to be fun. So um, we have a lot in common, I think, as we've been going. Now, I'm... I've got the physique of a web designer. Um, <laughs> y'all know how to do things in real life and move real dirt and build real things. I know how to make virtual crap, and uh, I guess I'm a propagandist. Maybe that's what it would be. Um, so I do sales and marketing, and and you know th- the little common ground where I got to know you is that my dad worked at Ziggler for 35 years. So yep. as you guys listen to this, I'm totally like my dad has brainwashed me to think that mm-hmm. the proper shade of yellow and the proper hue of yellow is going to make you more money, make you more profitable, blah blah blah. But we also have this thing that. Um, and I'd love to hear a little bit. You guys made a mention a couple weeks ago about this concept as a business owner. And that's what we want to talk about. We want to equip business owners. We want to talk, uh, equip the youth. We want to equip anybody with the tools to start and grow and scale and build a more profitable and scalable business. Like That's what we want to do with this podcast. In College of Dirt, what we want to do is we want to create actual tools as an alternative to college. Maybe you go finalize school and you go to learn to be a writer and you do some hard things in college, but by golly, what we're going to put out is we're going to put out a series of courses that legitimately show business owner people how to get into the contracting, the excavating business. I'm going to be doing stuff about marketing, how to drive sales, and we got tax side of things. <clears throat> so that's that's what we're going to be doing. But as part of that is, I want to hear your freaking story. Mm-hmm. You dug 500 basements. Mm-hmm. And now, how, just frame this up a little bit. How many pieces of machinery? How many employees did you have? Talk, talk to us about the, 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 the gravitas of gravitas. Well, you're not giga big, but you're not small. Help us understand a little bit of. Well, just to get to understand the history of it, we we started back in 2006 with just Pete, um, and Pete just started doing sod and snow removal, and it was really just a pickup, a skid steer, um, you know the the the. Regular story of every other contractor, a skidster, pickup, trailer, um, then he bought a dump truck. Uh, back in 2008, then Mike and I joined, and that was uh, just the, the wrong time to scale up a business because, as we all know, 2008, oh, 2009, that's when the recession hit. So, What did you guys do when Pete was starting? What were you guys doing? Um, well, I Mike got into more sales. I was only working part-time, and I was just kind of helping with the books. But before you started in the business, like what were your other careers or things you did or like what else did you do for a living? I worked I worked at T-Mobile selling yeah. cell phones. I've worked myself up into a, a leadership position. Yeah. Um, and I was there for probably eight or nine years. No kidding. Yeah. I was at Best Buy for seven years. Yeah. I learned so much. How about you? What did you do? I sold tools uh, for manufacturers to distributors. So like a hardware store, right? They would have to buy the tools. They would come to us, the manufacturer. I'd visit their store and yeah, we'd sell no tools. No kidding. Yeah. I didn't know that. We kind of all have a similar, like, we did, that's fairly similar. Yeah, <laughs> I yeah. did Best Buy. My first job was at Perkins. What was your guys' first jobs? Like, what are the first things you did? Pizza factory. Really? Yeah, same thing, pizza factory. What? So you job, did yeah. food, and then yeah. you got out of food, and you did selling tools, Sales. and you sold phones. Yeah, I got, out, I got out of food, went into little construction stuff here and there, didn't, didn't really land that plane, and then ultimately moved into sales, and I, I enjoyed it. I started part-time in sales. We're from part-time, full-time, then into a leadership role. That was great. It was a great company to hone in my leadership skills. So as you look back at that, what are some like things that you learn or say, hey, you know what, I really got these lessons from when you were at T-Mobile? Uh, working with people. Uh, definitely working with people. So T-Mobile had something called uh, interviewing to a T, and really you could sit down and understand when somebody is bullshitting you at the table. Mm-hmm. Um, 
Mm-hmm. When, you, when, when you're interviewing interview. a new employee, you mean? Absolutely. Okay. Absolutely. So we learned uh, a techniques, and I really actually took a hold of that program, um, and I did a lot of hiring for for the Twin Cities areas for the stores. Really? Absolutely. I, I love that program. It was my favorite thing. That's th- them are skills that I will um, use utilize uh, moving forward with with our company, and it's that's what given me the ability to deal with our employees and the customers. Interesting. How about yourself? Did when you look back at your time in the tool? Selling, like, what are some things that you learned that you draw on? I don't know. I don't Have think you boil those down. It was, it was really, uh, it was really no. It was just a really an unstructured thing, right? That I had to give structure to. Um, we worked across three states. My boss pretty much gave me the freedom to do whatever I want, right? So then there I am. I take a Hudson map book, right, and I'm like, okay, fine. If I divide the cities into these quadrants or whatever, I'll try to hit these. You know, on Monday I'll hit this quadrant. On Super Tuesday, commission I'll hit this based. Quadrant. I'm assuming. Uh, no, I got paid no matter what, so it okay. wasn't. You know, I'm I'm totally hungry, um, but. Yeah, it had nothing to do uh, with incentives like that. I, I would just visit the people, talk to the people, and and try to sling stuff. Uh, one of my customers called me Gonzo because I was Gonzo about whatever I was selling. Like really? I, I've got conviction for whatever I sell, and interesting. If I'm not, if I'm not, if I don't have conviction, I'm not slinging it. If I don't, if yep. I don't believe in it myself, I won't, you know, sling it and put my name behind it. Like. If I think it's good and you got to have it, I'm in the door telling you you got to have it, and this is why. That's so interesting. I yeah. literally, are you kind of the same way? Like, um, can Mike and Pete are probably people? more passionate than I am. <laughs> I'm not as, as passionate and as, as convicted as those two are. Do you um, lie to people when you sell them things, or do you t- sell them? No, I, I can't lie. I have a hard time lying. My my wife looks at me; and she can see through every That's every good. simple little lie that I have. So I'm there teasing. ain't no lying. There's there's for sure. But Mike and Pete are very convicted in what they do. That's cool. They, and they both do the research, and then they follow through on that research. Where for me, I'm not much of a researcher. Those guys come up with the wacky ideas or whatever mm-hmm. and then that's what i follow through on selling on i'm going i'm not a pioneer in that way and people should be subscribing to this podcast we're going to have college of dirt we're going to have all sorts of stuff up on ground tech um we're going to have this uh, this little incubator we're going to yeah. we're going to keep kicking out eggs new businesses new ideas nonstop. because you guys have a lot now i think it's interesting you talk about conviction i was just writing this morning i'm writing this blog post to my employees so that they can read it and it's really like i think i was telling you it's like you know, when we do a website, we're becoming your s- salesperson for our customers. Like, that's a big deal. And, man, you look at how a salesperson can wreck or build a business. They can set bad expectations, set promises you can't follow through on, not sell enough margin, be lazy, whatever it is, right? But in part of what I was going to is this idea that, you know, when you're an entrepreneur, what's beautiful about it is you get to craft the solution. Like, I, I, I wrote a sentence in there is that, Hopefully, people are blessed at this opportunity to sell something they can have some conviction behind. It's funny that you say that. I was just saying that. Isn't it nice to be able to work for a company? My dad worked for Cat and Ziegler, and you know they're trying to have an approach that's more valuable. And when you do the research, you arrive at this thought that Cat is a good solution. But as entrepreneurs, you get to concoct your own solution. And hopefully, you can feel it. Now, you got to deliver on it, too, which is hard. But why don't you... Okay, so... You guys do excavating. You've concocted a pretty cool value proposition, and now you're pivoting into sewer and water. But, okay, you guys all get on board. Pete has a truck, mm-hmm. and he starts doing snow. And he, and then you, you, how did he get you guys, like, to come on board? Like, what did that sound like? So I think Pete and his wife were uh, both initially involved in the company, and his wife had a full-time job. So they needed, uh, uh, by... 
by force, they just needed somebody to help them out okay. with the books. So ultimately, that's something that I was taking over. And then uh, also that we we wanted to scale a company. And so we didn't know what we wanted to scale in necessarily. We were inside and we were passionate about SOD. Um, oh. But the problem that we had about uh, the SOD and scaling that is um, it's hard to get um, good, consistent employees in that. And so we then moved into SOD and landscape also because of the 2008 recession. Okay, so hold on. But, I want to slow down. Yep. So Pete starts the excavating company. When you guys pivoted over, or no, you had the excavating company. No, no we, you had we the did landscape. not have, we just had landscape, we had sod and we had snow removal. So you guys were entrepreneurs. Yeah. You had already, sh- let's back up to that even before we get into ground tech. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so you're working at T-Mobile, yep. you're selling tools, and then suddenly you have a landscaping company? How I mean, I, I remember sitting down with Pete and Katie at Pizza Factory and they're like, you should come and work with us. And so ultimately, that was like, we sat down and I thought, well, yeah, sure. I, at some point or another, I guess I want to think a bigger picture. I'd love to get into entrepreneurship. And so that's why I joined. And then I think I was a convinced. Joined factor. Ground Tech or jo- joined a landscaping? Joined Ground Tech. You joined Ground yeah, Tech yeah. for that. Okay. Yeah, so Pete first started the business. It was called Sitescapes. Pete used to do um, okay. a little bit of everything. He used to dig basements uh, back in high school. While he was in high school, he would get out of high school at like 12 o'clock and he'd go run a logging truck. Um you name it, uh, Pete can do it generally out on the ground. I mean, you can do just about anything. And so um, I, I'm sure at some point, and we'll hear this from him, but it just came to him that he, he could do anything, right? And why don't I start my own business? I can be my own boss, right? So he started Sitescapes, and it kind of started out as a pool business, and everything as things go um, kind of mutates and changes form. And it's like, well, I, I you know had a, I had a bad deal with a business partner, and... Then it turned into a more of a snow business because of a relationship that butted, and then it turned into you know uh, a sodding business, um, and then a landscaping business, and now it's uh, an excavation business, and that's where we found true traction to grow the business and, and and jump revenues up to another level. Interesting, you know, it's, when you're saying that, I had seen a guy that I, I saw this about seven years ago. I thought it was really helpful. That when you start a business and you're bringing things to market, it's almost like you set out and you're like, I'm convinced that the market wants to buy blue squares. And you sell a bunch of blue squares, and all of a sudden you're like, well, wait a minute. It needs to be a purple square. And then you, and then you sell a bunch of purple squares, and your customers give you feedback. Plus, you get sales. You have a path of least resistance. You have a couple of clients that come through. You learn some lessons. You know, you sell a couple of pools. You learn there. You get a snow contract. You learn something there. And that as you're learning, it's almost like you get to morph and decide who you want to become. And I think that that, when people are thinking of business ownership, the, the number one thing that I'm hearing there, Pete went out and did something. He, mm-hmm. like, and he, he kind of had that spirit, is what you're saying then? He was kind of like, oh, did he just buy a tractor and find stuff to do? Or like, how did he? Yeah, just bought a truck and, and, and yep. Uh, started with another guy, and yeah, they, they you know, whatever. Who was the other guy? Like, or you uh, know, a, to say a his guy name. named Kevin. Yeah, it was a pool business, and uh, they got together, and Kevin knew how to sling pools, and Pete knew how to put them in the ground. So a sales guy. Mm-hmm. Okay, so there was a partnership between a sales guy and Pete knew how to put stuff in the ground. Yeah, and uh, the partnership didn't work out. That'll happen. <laughs> 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 never heard of that before. Totally different ideologies and totally different goals. Oh, really? uh, oh man, totally different goals in the end. And I mean, ultimately, I don't think Pete and Katie were left with um, the finances in the end that they they kind of and expected. Then the financials. Yeah. So there was there were some things in the end that uh, didn't necessarily work out. Kevin went somewhere else, and Pete, as far as he's concerned, he stayed 
in this market. And is that about convinced. the time he approached you? Is when that didn't. Well, how much time between? Yeah, he found out he's got to separate from he, that partner. He probably now. started seeing the writing on the wall um, right around that time because I guess we we've met Kevin at some point or another. So we he was still around. And this is four, five, six, two thousand four, five, six, seven. Uh, eight? I would say two thousand around two thousand six, two thousand seven okay. is when he was dealing with this situation. So, so economy's up. Yeah, stuff is humming. We have this looming thing about to occur in two thousand eight yeah. at this point. You guys start talking, and you start, and, and so what are the first jobs you guys together start doing? And walk me through, like, what were some of the first reps? Like, get super practical and walk me back to that time. Like, what, Pete was kind of getting some momentum, him and the wife ask you, and you started doing some bookkeeping. Yeah. What are some things, do you have any stories or stuff that stands out? Of I like, remember man? the first job we worked with with Pete, and that was Slumberland over in Woodbury, um, and it was a terrible, windy day. Really? And, uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was a terrible windy day. So windy, we were laying the sod, and the sod was rolling back up. Yeah. What? Yep, it yeah. was dry. It got down there. It was dry, and we were rolling it, and you'd get it to the end, and it would. How did you get a slumberland? I know this. I'm getting really specific here, though. But, like, that would you be... got a slumberland deal. What the heck? How did it's from that... a landscaper that screwed us eventually. <laughs> <laughs> so you were subbed out. Gotcha, because yeah. a lot of times it's a builder and then the landscaper, and yeah. you're the sod guy. You're like third down the third tier. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. No, he ended up uh, he ended up screwing us. But we were working. I mean, we actually worked at that over the weekend as well. Um, and man, it was miserable. But we. we so who's all? Did it. you have a bunch of other people? Or was nope, it you four? It was, it was Pete, Mike, and I. You out there rolling sod, just dirty asses, yep. Yep. covered in mud. Sod's always like we're in a new neighborhood, and you see the sod guys. They work hard. Yeah, it's yeah. awesome. Never seen a more dirty group of guys, and they're done because yep. you're carrying mud. You're yep. just you are literally in the mud, man. Yep, that's was, awesome. And that's where we got our start. And and honestly, it's it's kind of hard to explain exactly um, what we did or the exact moves. But from there, we wanted to do uh, commercial properties, working for commercial um, landscapers and uh, builders, and then we also wanted to do large landscaping projects. So we worked on some pretty custom homes hmm. um, back in 2008. How did those? How did that happen? Like, how did you? So, okay, who who has the motivation there between the three of you to be like, you know, what we should do? Are you guys all like, hey, you know, what we should do? Like, I how don't does that... know. We don't. I I couldn't tell you what the magic formula is okay. behind there and who sold the next account or what we did. But between the three of us, somehow through um, our sod vendor, somehow through. Uh, the grapevine. We started picking up work, and we we're just calling, calling these custom landscapers. Yeah, absolutely. We're you called. Call. See, that's you know yeah. one of the things that folks. If you're listening to this, you want to start a business. I tell this to accountants that are trying to do this outsourced accounting model. I tell even contractors that are having success, man, take time to call and introduce and cultivate relationships with other people. Like you can't just sit. Like yes, you can get so busy, you don't have to do too much of it. But especially early on. Man, there's no reason why you shouldn't be, even if you have a good builder that's feeding you business and you're doing masonry, or even if you're just doing new roofs on whatever, like there's no reason why you shouldn't continue to build relationships with new builders, with new people, and because that's kind of how stuff percolates. But make the freaking phone call. Everybody's a coward nowadays. Yeah, yeah. And I mean that nicely. I get it. I know what it's like to be like, I'm going to call someone that I only kind of know and like propose this idea that I'm going to have a relationship with them and they're like big and I'm little and I'm like... You got all this fear, but like, did you guys have a lot of fear when you were making those calls or like what? 
I you still have a lot of fear, but yeah. at some point or another, you just got to get used to the rejection. I mean, I ultimately a couple years ago when we were we were searching for employees. I mean, we went through. 44 employees to find four employees. I'll bet you we called over, or I bet you I called over a thousand people, a thousand employees um, or potential wow. employees to get, to get to that 40 employees. So ultimately you're going to end up having to get used to this, used to the phone and dealing with people over the phone. Mm-hmm. So you might as well make the call. You might as well get comfortable. We did with it. weird stuff. Like one time we took a bunch of baby shoes and then we sent them uh, to customers or whatever, potential customers. So one shoe and then a, a thing, you know, hey, we just want to get our foot in the door and, and, and meet you and talk really? to you. And some, some people it was received really well with. And some people are like, why did you send me a baby shoe? Like, you know how wasteful that is? That's <laughs> kind of weird. We actually, yeah. The funny is. part is, is we actually um, met the one of the largest custom home builders in the Twin Cities off of that shoe. But then on the other hand, we had an mm. architect that actually said, you need to come pick this up. This is a pretty morbid thing that you sent us. So, boy, is it something that got received. That was an architect? Yeah. Oh, yeah, architects totally. And- she, her, her statement to me, and I was walking into the Oakdale Target when she called me, and I thought this was like, hey, we're going to get into this architect. That probably had uh, 12 to 15 architects on there, so I thought this was going to be cool. And she's like, that was really morbid. That was nasty. I mean, I, the only thing I thought about when I opened that box up is a child, child that got hit by a car and his shoe was what was left laying in the street. And I'm like, should have got some stinky old adult shoes. Yeah. yeah and Eating the packaging over. shipping costs. Yeah. So That's she asked so when I was going to come pick it up that they did not want that shoe in the office. And I was like, that was bizarre. Isn't it interesting how you don't know how other, you know, how people you just think about it. that gal could have all sorts, like even me, I'm like pretty critical. I'm like, suck it up. Buttercup. Yeah, yeah. But also then you know, you're around somebody that loses a child or you're yeah. around somebody who knows somebody that loses a child or can't get yeah. pregnant or have these different... It's always interesting in, in Facebook, like, I was, over the years, since, like, a long time ago, <laughs> like, I'll, I'll, I'll debate with people and throw out ideas and, and I'll criticize people. Yeah. And it's always funny that you forget people read that and hear that in their own voice, in yep. their own head. And I'm like, well, you didn't know when I wrote this. I was saying it like I'm talking to you. And if I'm not saying it, you don't know. And then your perception is reality, yeah. though. But that's cool. That, okay, so you're making phone calls. You're trying stuff. Yeah. So while one side, you lose this architect who thinks you're a, a, a goofy company. Goofy company. And then on the other side, we uh, we landed a good meeting with a large um, custom home builder. Who, um, who is it? You, can you say it or not? Yeah, I'd rather leave that. Okay, leave cool. that alone. Because yeah. <laughs> we don't work with them right now. That's um, right. But ultimately, yeah, we, we, we landed a good meeting. And... Um, that led to a longer relationship, quite honestly, because Mike's Mike's uh, wife potential Mike's wife works for him. So you got to swing the bat at yeah. the balls. You got to get in front of balls. You got to get the front end activity going. You got to yep. do something. Yeah. And and what people don't really fathom is that in entrepreneurship, you guys had to go get those sales and then execute. So like in the same motion that you have to like grit and lay down the sod and do the hard freaking work of delivering on fulfillment and doing that stuff, that other muscle of like going out and facing risk. Getting the phone numbers, pulling the list, delivering a shoe, calling, picking up like those two muscles are so hard. And people look at a business or a corporation and they make, oh man, it must be nice to work for yourself. It's like, I don't think you understand. Like to get those two things going back and forth, then there's a whole subset of of information. I mean, it's, it's hard. totally different different seasons in businesses, small businesses. Um, you know, wh- whether you're in the startup stage, whether you're in the middle, you know, whether you're on top and you've you've got a business plan that's executing day in and day out, and things become easier, and your business is wide enough, and you got the right people in the right places. It's uh, it's it's 
it's just the craziest thing to see that uh, change and mutate and 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 come from the bottom because at the bottom you're doing whatever it takes right you you're selling you're doing the book work you're in the plow truck at night you know drinking energy drinks just trying to keep it keep it going um it, it's everything you're running collections you know after you've you, you've done all these hours of work you got gas bills you got truck bills you got people to pay so then you're hustling collections calling people saying hey I need my money so that's the other thing you guys are trying to get paid were there any times, like, as I say, I'll, you know, we're, we're thinking back to this time. You said drinking energy drinks, plowing snow. Are there some things that, like, some really low <laughs> points or injury? What's making you laugh? What do you got going Because I know Mike's story. <laughs> back, uh, back, when used to plow, back when you used to plow snow, we were so broke. Because, you know, uh, crawl, walk, run. We'll go through that, you know, later in life here in the, in the podcast. But... Uh, crawl, walk, run. You know, we were always trying to to, to go bigger, faster, right? That was always mm. the goal: is just to go bigger, faster, blow up, try to get as big as possible, right? Well, when you're leaning out, you get in precarious positions. Um, people don't pay you. A customer doesn't pay you. Something doesn't go right. You have an accident. Whatever. I don't know what it is, and I don't know what it was at that period. I think it was uh, a lean time in life and uh, waiting on money or whatever. Didn't have enough money, so the credit cards aren't working. You know, you go to the you go to the gas station, you swipe the credit card, they're like, sorry, sir, that doesn't work. You're like, oof. So yeah, that's another the hat in a small business. Like, did you pay the bill? You know, uh, yeah. dumb and dumber, did you pay the you pay the gas bill? <laughs> yeah. yeah. But uh yeah, I was driving home and my credit card uh wasn't on and I was fully aware of that and I I uh I didn't have any, you know, money to buy a drink or whatever, but I had a little water and I had a pill to take, and uh, it was one of those little gel pills or whatever, like a white capsule. Take the pill, um, drink the water, whatever gets stuck in the back of my throat, and I'm out of water. (laughs) And it's like a ticking time bomb. I'm like, oh my God, you know, it's stuck on the back of my throat. And uh, I quick, you know, I'm like pulling over into a gas station and then the pill casing like blows up. So just imagine like cinnamon on the back of your throat. (laughs) I'm like choking on it. And uh, (laughs) Mike's having an uh, episode here. (laughs) I I knew I didn't have a credit card that worked. So I went to a snow bank and ate some snow to get Water, wow. yeah. So yeah, that's uh, uh the kind of hold you know, on like stuff that, we've done to make it work. You know, there's it, it's you know I know times where like I had a payroll when I one some of the hardest stuff that we had when we first got started. Like there there was a payroll where I was trying to pay my guy, and it was like I just have to trust that something's going to happen here. Yeah, I paid him and I paid the mortgage, and it was like nothing in that bank account. That happened a couple times. And, you know, now I'm a man of faith, and I trust Jesus. And something always would happen. It was like whenever you were extended like that in, in faithful ways, not in lack of integrity ways, because I think there's foolishness. Like, you're not being wicked. You're not being a fool. When you're acting wisely, but you're, 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 and you're putting all your effort and time to make something happen, those times like that can create and generate a lot of faith. But... Yeah, man. You see, eating snow. Yeah, like that's e- gonna eating be a- snow out of a snowbank out of a gas station. I know what cars have been water. driving over that. And well, yeah, because I didn't. Yeah, that's just that's just where we were, and we've we've I guess that that's how it goes in a small business. Um, you go through a lot of crap starting up your business, trying to just make it work, and that was one of the funny experiences. I think I got after I swallowed the snow and cleared that. I got on the phone, and I'm like, oh my gosh, you won't believe what I just did, and. Yeah, we, uh, you know, we'll always remember the startup years because yep. it was uh, it was something else, and and 
you know, I remember we were working in the field, and uh, we didn't. I mean, Pete's Pete. That's all Pete does is work in the field. We were helping in the field. We were doing office work or whatever. But I mean, he was fully exposed to to all the physical pains of the business, and mm-hmm. uh, we were only half exposed. But it's it's something else. Yeah, we had a one one heck of a winter. I think it was like two thousand. 11, 2012. And so we rolled into winter and we were collecting our money um, from our builders, but then all of a sudden it just hit, snow hit, and it hit, and it hit, and it hit. And we I remember our credit cards were completely maxed out and I was leaving uh, work at one point and it's like, we just got to get to the bank. And all we had is like $3,000 in the bank. And so it was like four, or the bank closed at four o'clock. And I remember driving down the sidewalk in the city of St. Paul to get to the bank on time to get the last like two three thousand dollars out of our bank so we could make sure we had enough fuel for the night just to get through the night. I mean, wow. so like what you say, you you sometimes hang precariously precariously on a string just to get to the next event. And then I'm I'm assuming at that point in time, um, the story leaves me. But I mean, I'm assuming we were able to collect some checks from other people then to con- continue to roll through the winter, but. When business hits and it continues to hit hard and you got to keep putting fuel and payroll um, out on the table and you don't have the money for another um, 40 to 60 days, boy, that can be some painful times. You guys with the physical things that actually (coughs) do stuff in the real world, you got fuel, machines, driving, people to get them there. Like I just like float downstairs and make another website, (laughs) as you can see by my figure here. like that, there, there. You guys do hard business with low margins and yeah. tough toil. And uh, now, okay, so you, you ate snow. We're gonna be saying that all the time. <laughs> you had to eat snow. We'll have to come up with your own it's analogy. Snowbank. How? Yeah. Uh, talk to me about some of the momentum building. Like, are there some things where you started to realize? Like, when did momentum start to kick? Where there's some, where there's some aha moments, or like when you look back at that time, where there's some, or was it just? diligent pecking away no matter what um it, it was i it was always just diligent pecking away right you just kept working to uh to to kind of sift through dirt or whatever you want to call it to sift through opportunities to find something where you're like ah this is where we're going to do it next right and and then this is the next big thing because this thing is bad because of this and we figured that you're out truly right? learning from everything you're doing every just like yep. i said blue square purple diamond Orange octagon, yep. and now you've arrived at yeah you know, green cubes or whatever. There was no, there was no, um, there was no clear path or direction from the start. Not to say that it's a Ill, an ill-conceived business, right? But it's like, hey, I'm, gonna, I want to do this. This is how I'm going to get there, right? And so obviously it was Pete in the pool business, and then um, snow kind of took the position where that got to be a bigger thing, and then whatever we needed to do in the summer to make things work just to get to the snow. Um, but it just kept, you know, going from one thing to another to another where we're going, you know, what's the next best step for us, you know, because when it came to, you know, snow uh, and, and working as a subcontractor, you're kind of on the bottom of the totem pole, and you're like, boy, I'd like to climb up that totem pole and, you know, go on the next position and not be a sub and maybe sell some stuff direct to a customer. So. When you say you're a sub in snow, who's your general? Like, how are you? There's a there's a handful of, of generals that, that aggregate uh, smaller contractors in the Twin Cities and, and bring some uh, equipment to the game. And, uh, some snow pimps out there. Yeah, huh? yeah. Well, yeah, yeah. It, there's, there's a lot of logic to aggregating the business, right? They deal with the big customers, and then they get, uh, you know, they deal... You know, maybe deal with about fifty or forty percent of the business of their own companies. Like, are they? No, there's just snow companies. Okay, and then they keep the relationship going, and because they have enough of you, 
then the customer knows that someone so, will be there. So in Minnesota, you're seven months, five months, right? The split is heavier summer, lighter winter, right? But in the winter, there is work. And, and really, it's like seven and a half or eight months, four months, right? Winter isn't the full, full-blown five months of the year. You can work, uh, you know, right up to the first snowfall or a little through it. There's a lot know, of variation set in, in yet. Yeah. Yep. And so the snow game is, is, is kind of a side piece in the Twin Cities to many contractors that have summer work you know, seven yeah. or eight months of the year, yep. and they just need to get through the winter. So they they it's don't either unemployment or you do the snow thing. Right? Yeah, it's, yeah. it's kind just, of the choice. Yep, you get into. Yeah, essentially, it's just not a full blown business. And so as a as as a small business, maybe you need the revenue. Maybe you can't sit for the winter. Maybe margins are too tight to allow you to sit for the winter. Or maybe you've got you know ten or fifteen guys, or even just five guys, and you need to keep them busy through the winter. Right? You you as a business may have the money to weather that storm or weather that four months out, um, but the employees need that. 12 months of work, right? Yeah, they can't, can't just people. sit on the sidelines. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. yeah, you can come work for us, earn a bunch of money. You can't do anything during the winter. That would not yeah. fly. Okay. But then that turned into a stepping stone because we realized, like, the snow removal gig, um, we got pretty big into that. Um, that was up to 30 to 40 employees as well. So that's a very difficult Yeah, I've, I've to, heard nothing but bad things. Oh. I mean, it's from my dad just knowing how many. <laughs> you know, the young guy comes in, I'll undercut everybody, yeah. does it for two years, realizes, wait a minute, this is a losing game. And yeah, either gets I, out or fails or whatever that is. The quality of employees, I mean, boy, I, we've tough. had fights in the middle of the nights. We've had people stealing equipment in the middle of the night. We've had drunk drivers hitting our people in the middle of the night. Um, one guy drove off, um, got lost, fell asleep in the middle of the road um, on 42 in Apple Valley. Um, yeah. What? Yeah. Okay, hold on. So you're sleeping at night. Yeah, yeah. And you get a call. What, we weren't like, sleeping. We were all, oh, all you were very up. well Sorry. engaged. Yeah. Listen to me. <laughs> choking on pills. I'm an ignorant. Yeah, you're eating stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Hold on, I got so Mike's choking on a pill. We, so we were involved, and so, yeah, we lost a guy in a skidster. Um, another guy called and said, Hold on, he's tell the not. whole story. Okay, so what happened now? So we were doing um, a shopping center in, in Burnsville, um, and we had a large piece of equipment, uh, a front-end loader, and we had a skidster. Okay. And the front-end loader guy had called and said, hey, man, this, this guy is not in this parking lot. I can tell you he has left. So Pete had dro- drove down there, and he's like, well, maybe he tried to get the skidster to drive from Burnsville to Lakeville, I don't know why he would do that because it's not a very fast piece of equipment. So he started going. So he's to looking the at hold on. He's looking when you say he's not. He's saying the machine's not there. The machine's not there, and the so guy's not there. Dude, the machine are, and there's a front end freaking loader. No, it's a it's a skitzer. A yeah. skitzer. So yeah. skitzer's gone. It's, it's gone. Dude's gone, yeah. and he's like, I'm looking for this guy. Yeah. And he calls you, and you're like, he's not here. Yeah. And then okay, so now what? So happened? then Pete drives down there, and Pete's like, Well, I'm wondering if he made it to the. Other property. Maybe he tried to drive over there, so we couldn't get a hold of him on his cell phone. So Pete drove down 42, and Pete, lo and behold, drives up behind him, and he's in the middle of an intersection. It's a it's it's a four lane road um, on it, it intersecting. Each road is a four lane road, and Pete's like, "What in the hell is going on?" You so he gets out of his me. truck and goes and pounds on the window, and he and the guy wakes up and is all stunned, like, "What's going on?" Like he's no. he's in a deep sleep or on something yeah. and so pete's like you, you get out of the machine and get in my pickup and and the guy starts trying to drive again and pete's like get out of the machine and get in my truck so pete ends up loading the machine up and the guy's in the passenger seat and uh no not way. funny story but funny story pete takes him to the gas station and says hey here's two bucks run into the gas station and grab me some uh grab me a pop so the guy runs in and pete takes off 
So, <laughs> take a nap. <laughs> Pete had work to do, and this guy was uh, having clearly some issues, and so oh, Pete's like, I'm not going to deal with this employment issue tonight, so yeah. Yeah. left him at a gas station and Make took a phone off. phone call. Yeah. Dude, that's... Yeah. That's interesting. What other crazy snow stories? Oh, Anything we could go up? on and on. And well, you got to give me I mean, one more. Give me one more because that's pretty a, interesting. How about a low speed police chase in a skidster? <laughs> <laughs> what? <laughs> yeah, we're all down in Lakeville uh, and we're, we're plowing the shopping center. Um, one of our foreman's, Joel, was down there. Were you down there? Yeah, I, maybe Pete, Pete and I were down there, and ultimately we're we're <laughs> all plowing and shoveling this 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 fairly decent sized shopping center, and something was little skeptic, little shady about what was going on. There was a cop that pulled in the parking lot, and I think he had recognized. Sorry about that. That's all good. We had a cop that recognized the guy that was running the skidster, uh -huh. and so he kind of. <laughs> He kind of was suspicious, so then he went by all our parked cars and he ran all of our license plates. Well, in the meantime, the skidster kid recognized that the cop is now onto him. So the skidster kid tried to go to the other side of the building and start plowing that. And we're like, what is he doing over there? So we kind of had no idea what was going on. So we were kind of watching this slowly play out. Well, now the cop is like, hey, this is actually who I think it is because he ran his license plate. So then he went to the other side of the building. Well, in the meantime, the kid was paying attention, so he came around. No, so the cop was chasing the skidster around. around this building until all of a sudden the kid jumped out of the skidster and ran a Across Cedar um, and, and no. hopped the fence, and by that time, there's probably five or six cops. Does that impact you as a business owner at all when that happens on your watch? Is that what like, do you do? Yeah. So yeah. I jumped in the skidster, and the cop came and approached me, like, "You know who this is?" And I I knew who he, Gary. Is, he was. <laughs> yeah, I, I had his license and his information, but I had no idea I had a warrant out for his arrest. So yeah. ultimately, um, I didn't know he was in that kind of trouble. So. Yeah, yeah, the cops ended up catching them. They 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 handcuffed them and brought them back to the parking lot. And yeah, they booked them and hauled them off. Yeah, oh, yeah, no was, kidding. Yeah, certainly awkward. Yeah, did you so, pay him? Like, when did the pay end? We, you know, right what? when he dipped out. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> we definitely pay him. We, you know what? <laughs> Trying to be generous. Yeah, we're, I'll give we're you not going to deal hours. with the government either. You know, so it's oh, one yeah. of those things. Like, we'll pay you to your hours, and that's it. We're we're tapped out. That's we're not going to deal with any of this. That's okay. So you're doing snow. You guys don't do snow now, though. No. Right. No. So okay. So keep let's keep pushing forward. We Bring us through the survey of your business. So so rolled out of snow. So we were at doing that time snow we're, at that time. We were doing snow and and sodding. Um, so snow during. Yeah. Okay. So we got we got the summer business was just installing grass for our landscaper sod, and then um, so your the subcontractor to snow. landscapers yep. doing sod. So just straight up subcontractor all okay. the way around twelve months of the year, and then um, I think it got so slow to a certain point with sod that um, you know uh, landscapers were like, hey, I need to keep my guys busy. I don't need a subcontractor even if it's less efficient, mm -hmm. even if it costs me more. I still just need to keep my guys. Mm -hmm. Yep. So as a subcontractor, you're really disposable, and uh, we were. And so that's where we were like, well, we've got to get into landscaping. You know, that's the next big thing. And mm -hmm. um, so we did a little bit of that and, and realized that, uh, you know, after one year that, like, we need to go after high-end landscaping because there's there's more money there, and you can actually build a business on that, whereas, you know, on, on the low end of the totem pole, the less expensive part of the business um you just can't make money in the landscaping stuff um, on the low end. Yeah. That's our opinion. Uh, some people do, and they grind it out, and they do a good business. And but for us, we've always looked at something that needs, you know, sustainable. Like what what business can produce 
um, the kind of money that, that gets our employees paid a livable wage, what we think is a livable wage, what they think is a livable wage. And so uh, from from the start zero, we've been just trying to find a business that was uh, sustainable, that allowed us to pay uh, decent wages to employees because mm-hmm. when the money's there for the people, and you have good people. That's just a big chunk of the business. You know? Fewer people jumping out and running across for yeah, you, yeah, too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Fewer slow yeah. chases. Okay. Yeah. So you're doing, and that's like 11, 12, 13, 20, 11, 12, yeah. 13? Yeah, okay. sounds about right. Yeah. Okay, so this is, I mean, and, and for folks that aren't old enough to know what that business was like, I mean, eight and nine, Everything slowed way down. No homes yeah. are getting built. Here's a little pump for small business, though. I mean, like, and starting a business, uh, it was, it was, uh, there wasn't a lot of food on the table. You know, not saying a lot of food on the table. Yeah. But it, there was less business there. But right when you, when you start from the bottom, you can't go anywhere but up. Mm. You know, so everybody else is in the in the position mm. of of retracting and sucking in, and that's painful, right? Whereas we're like, hey, we we're at the bottom. We're starting from the bottom, and we're going up. So every job that we got was um, kind of a blessing, and 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 felt good, and it was beneficial to the business. We didn't have to cut. We were actually growing through those times. Interesting. So growth cures most problems. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Okay, so when we're uh, Talk to me about this transition to excavating and what how did that happen? <laughs> that was a friend of a friend. So that was that was Pete knowing somebody that worked for a national home builder. That somebody called and said, Hey, these these guys are looking for excavating and I know you guys know your way around dirt. Is that something that you're you know willing to entertain? Um, so Mike and I picked up the phone, we called them, they set up, uh, they allowed us to, you know, come in, have a meeting with them. We explained exactly what our position was, exactly what we did and exactly what our aspirations were. They said, if you have the equipment, we'll hire you and put you on a job site, mm. just one job site to start off with. So at that point, we did not have the equipment. Yeah, I was gonna we say that. told them we had the equipment. Oh, really? So ultimately, <laughs> this gets get her done, yeah, baby. Yeah, yeah, that's right. We <laughs> that's had, awesome. we had, the we had the grit. So we went and went to Caterpillar and said, Hey, we need, uh, we need this kind of backhoe uh, to get with, and I love it. I remember when we were we were cutting the margins, and it was like, man, it only looks like you're going to basically make maybe fifty to a hundred dollars a basement. Like this is going to be tight, but this is something that we want to pursue. So let's let's give it a shot. So we put our our name on the loan document. We got our first three sixteen, and uh, we started digging basements from there. Three sixteen. So you went to Cat. Why didn't you go buy like a uh, Komatsu. By this time, we were already pretty cat loyal. I mean, yeah. ultimately, uh, we had skidsters and compactors and stuff like that that we dealt with our local Ziggler dealer with, and we had a great sales guy, and so we were already throwback. Yeah, we were already <laughs> we, brand loyal. With we them, essentially so. got taught. Um, I mean, I think we bought uh, a dump truck from the Pennsylvania DOT. Pete drove it back, or whatever we call it, Bumblebee. It was yellow, right? And then you're like, Bumblebee. I can do <laughs> you know twenty thousand dollar dump truck or something like that. Thirty thousand dollars. Never got hurt jumping out of a basement window. It was like down here, right? And we could afford it. <laughs> so, and again, this is this is back. Let's Bumblebee. say two thousand ten or whatever, two thousand eleven. But this thing was a beater, and we we you know. As we grew in a business, we all got smarter about things, and we're going like, wait a minute, we're putting $1,500 a month into Bumblebee, and we're only paying $1,000 a month for it. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I think it was a beater. Really? Um, roadworthy, but definitely a beater. It had yeah. its issues. But the bottom line is we realized we're, we're paying more to keep it on the road every month than we were in a payment. Plus so the time and all the screwing oh, around. And yeah. It's terrible. So that's where you start to realize, like, hey, what is it really worth, right? You know, we were we were allergic to debt back then, and you're kind of going like, well, I, I just don't know how to do that. I don't, you know, new equipment wasn't our thing. We didn't 
you know, you just didn't see yourself doing that. Mm-hmm. But uh, that's where we decided to get a different dump truck, get a new dump truck, take the payments, and the payments and uh, way fewer repairs, a lot less repairs, uh, was a lot better than uh, less of a payment and more repairs, right? Yeah. That was the way to go. And so that's kind of our first experience with equipment and, and, and doing something differently instead of buying cheap equipment and you know, repairing it. We were buying more expensive equipment and not repairing it. And uh, so that's, you know, I guess the start of, of, of the cat story. Like when you look at a brand, when it comes to dirt working, what do you think about, you know, who's, who's the king of the hill? Um, Daiwoo. Yeah. <laughs> Daiwoo you know, all the way. Orange moi, yeah. baby. <laughs> Everybody's got their place. I don't I don't ever want to take a pot shot at yep, anybody. You know, yep. I'm not banging, but I'm I just will. saying. Every, yeah. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Everybody's got their place. And, uh, you know, for us, we realize, like, you kind of you go to the top of the food chain. You mm-hmm. understand that their margins are probably better than everybody else's. Um, they're going to make more money off of you. You're going to pay more for it. But then, you know, for us... The understanding is the sales and support. It's not. It's not just getting that piece of equipment in your hand. It's like, can I repair it? Yep. Can I repair it today? Can I repair it tomorrow? Can they get somebody out to repair my equipment? Total cost of of ownership um, is probably on parity with the other manufacturers, maybe more. But in the end, you can keep it moving because yeah. if you can't keep it moving, like Bumblebee, um, what what or yellow banana, whatever we want to call that piece of crap. If you can't keep it moving, what's that worth? If you've got a ten thousand dollar job to do that day, um, but you you saved yourself a thousand dollars on a truck payment, and that truck can't work that day, well then you've just screwed yourself out of that revenue. Yeah. So that's where um, again we just you go to the king of the hill and and. Uh, we're going to talk a lot about this go. down the road. We, let's not hit on it too hard right now because, yeah. man, we got, we're going to talk a lot about because In your world, machinery and the ability to have machinery, the ability to be more productive, more efficient, have uptime, not be screwing around, like, especially here in Minnesota where you've got the bookends a winner, and that really can hurt some sides of the business. Um, like, you have to move any anything around, one shift in your whole job. The entire season gets shifted over to the side. And so, like, I mean, productivity and uptime and not having to mess around is, like, it seems, from what I've heard, so important. And then parts and service and labor and being able to get people out and having access to it, all that. Like, I've drank the yellow Kool-Aid for sure. But it doesn't take very many YouTube videos to watch. There's a guy in the cities here where when I watch his channel, I think he's a great guy. (laughs) Half his jobs, he's out there doing a type of work. I won't even say it. And all of a sudden, he's like, oh, hydraulic pump blew again. Or, oh, the thing doesn't, oh, the truck. This guy's standing there, and all I see is, you know, there's three dudes, 30 bucks an hour each, minimum, besides opportunity costs, besides insurance rates. I mean, it's like 500 bucks an hour if you really think about what's going on. And he's just, oh, let's go back and get this. I'm like, how are you okay with this? Because I got a question. When you buy, like, a, 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 how much was the first piece of cat? Machinery that you bought, that, probably a two forty seven skid steer or something like that. Does that ring? Yeah, that's maybe probably about it. How much is that? Skid loader. Like for those of us that Back are back like, in the day, it ignorant. was probably what forty forty five thousand. Yeah, so about a fifty thousand dollar. But you yeah. bought some bigger stuff too, right? I mean, you bought like what's the biggest yeah, machine you purchased? The, the three twenty three, the backhoe. Yeah. And how much is that? That's a three hundred thousand dollars, two hundred thousand, one hundred two hundred seventy thousand, two hundred seventy thousand. Yeah. So yeah. what are the payments? 
I mean, the one thing is, is the risk for lending on that is not that high because they'll just come take it from you. Right. Yeah. There's a piece of <laughs> like well, the collateral asset this that is they'll a, come and grab. Yeah. Yeah. This is another. This is another thing uh, for the podcast. Just anybody in a small business. Every every bank's got a liking to something specific, right? So if Caterpillar Finance is is uh, loaning you money for their backhoes, they got a home for it, right? <laughs> Caterpillar Finance is slinging money, and they're like, if 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 you Rob can't pay me. I'm gonna take that backhoe and I've got a home for it, and right? I'll sell it so but, quickly. Yeah, yeah but it's then go to a small, be. small town bank with one location, and they're like, "I don't want to give you, you know, I'll give you the money for X for the backhoe, but the backhoe doesn't mean anything to that small town bank. They they don't really look at that as any type of collateral that they can get money out of. Yes, they do understand junk value, but um, whereas Cat Finance may see that backhoe with that many hours on it as a $130,000 piece of equipment to a small hometown banker. He's like, dang, what am I going to do with this? I got to get, I got to get rid of so it. There's right? advantages junk to, value? to lending. Yeah, That's yeah. interesting. Every, every, every bank's got a, got a niche, right? And so, um, a lot of smaller banks, you know, a building is something that everybody can sell, right? They get that. It's, 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 uh, Every everybody's got it like socks, right? Mm-hmm. But sometimes certain pieces of equipments are better to lend out through dirt, certain facilities, like you know, buying a piece of Caterpillar equipment through Cat Financial. Um, they know how to get rid of it, and so you're going to get more of a fair value if uh, something does go wrong, and they come to you and say, "Hey, I need to take that piece of equipment. Things and go right here." Interesting. We've also yeah run into banks that like trailers, that like trucks. They're that's their that's the kind of forte that they dig into. Mm. Ultimately, that's something that they know how to get rid of because then they have a book of customers built up that if they have to take your trailer back, they can contact 100 or 200 people. For kids that don't know, when a bank lends you something to get a piece of equipment, yeah, I mean, let's just, so part of what I want to talk, what are the payments on a, on a $60,000, $70,000, your first piece of equipment? Is that three grand a month, four it grand a month, on how two long, grand yeah. a month? Yeah, no. Back in the day, I think it was somewhere somewhere around seven hundred fifty to a thousand dollars a month for okay. something like that. How about on the big dog? Big dog, uh, you're looking depending on whatever structure you use. Um, four years, five years, six years, seven year. You can am some of this bigger stuff out over a longer term because it lasts longer, right? It just doesn't go to crap. Um, so more money, am it out a little longer because it'll last longer. And and amortization is what you're saying. So yep. seven years on a bigger yep. piece. Loan it out, am it out, um, but. You know, those payments are anywhere from $2,500 to $4,500 a month, something like that. Mm-hmm. So when people listen to this, like there's a scaling, you can get into equipment. You know, a lot of people, I, I always laugh, <clears throat> I help a lot of accountants. And so, and I'm on YouTube and I help people build accounting practices. So I'll, I'll take a step in and see what YouTube is saying about tax write-offs and tax this. And there's there's a couple of guys out there and I made a video about this. They're like, man, if you got a business, what you should be doing is you should be buying a G-Wagon or whatever car you want. And if you put a sticker <laughs> on it, it's going to be a write-off. And it's like, when you look at the payments on some of these cars, I'm like, why would you do that? When you could go buy, I mean, a piece of machinery, you could get into a whole other business, you could go buy a t-shirt printing operation like yeah why would you take a fifteen hundred dollar eleven hundred dollar whatever payment and put it towards a depreciating asset or not a depreciate an asset that does nothing for you versus an asset that makes you money and that's where like i think we're all kind of in the dave ramsey world except for on the business side of things like businesses leveraging debt to to build up things so that you can produce more profit has a, a place it, a huge place. I mean, you know, I think the Dave Ramsey thing, it sounds good. I, I would love to be debt free. Um, we would love to be debt free. We talk about it amongst ourselves quite often, but I don't know how you start from 
from nothing to to gain that kind of traction without the equipment that you need. I mean, you we we don't I I don't know how you do it. I don't now, know how, how would somebody you starts cash save up enough cash. Yeah, to, buy it. to finance. I mean, because we're you're, you're you're talking about you have to make payroll for up to two to three months. Um, you have to you have to put fuel in that equipment. You have to pay your insurance. I don't know how somebody or who would start a business that has just cash. It's it always a debate. Cash like- is always a debate. Cash business. Oh, you hear people that run. Oh, nothing but cash, and it's like. The margins are that fat in your business that you don't have to take out loans for X to, to do that work, yeah. right? Um, so, yeah, cash is always kind of controversial, the Dave Ramsey thing, but uh, it's probably not a bad place to be for your house. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I totally agree. Okay, so you get in, you get first big national builder. Yep. And so you guys take, you go buy a machine. You freaking yeah! You take the yeah, we'll do it. You go get a machine. Yeah, talk to me about those first. Let's keep moving forward. And get get. Let's get to twenty twenty three. So I remember the first neighborhood that we got put in. It was um, it was up in the North Metro, um, and it was kind of funny because Pete was the only person that could dig us the basement, and Pete was really confident um, because he's dug hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of basements. But there was something that we did wrong. We we uh, incorrectly read the plan. So I remember. There was the very first basement, almost egg on our face because we actually incorrectly dug it. Now, why there wasn't completely egg on our face is we were able to correct it immediately. Mm. Um, and so there was a couple call made, calls made in between the builder and the concrete company. Um, we actually made them pretty happy because we remediated it immediately um, wow. and made made that made it right. So, so your first yeah, go, yeah. All you problems aren't, little... are, aren't negative. Actually, it gave us more contact with the builder. Um, it, it showed that we're credible in this business, um, and it gave us more uh, credibility with the concrete company to work because, with Because, yeah. yeah, you had a mistake, yeah. but you remedied it yeah. right away. We called the mistake out. We told them that their guys will, you know, the concrete company, that they'll be out on the job site. Um, they, they can get a start. Um, but just know that we, we've got something that we have to fix. And ultimately, we were able to fix it. We didn't cost them any more in payroll. And they are pretty happy about it because I guess a lot of people try to cover stuff up or do their best not to admit admit, admit mistakes or anything like that. So, mm. yeah, for the most part, that was actually what you know gave us a great jumping point. Interesting. Yeah. So now... Wow. Yeah. When you have moments like, did you? Were you guys aware that you had done something wrong, or it? it we, they called you. Said no, you we were aware. You. We we knew we made the mistake, and in fact, it was kind of interesting. This is again the entrepreneurial side of things. Um, we took these. Um, we took. I, I believe it was two digs in total, right off the bat on, and um, the ground just got done by the mass excavator, which allows a lot of frost to go into the ground right off the bat. And they must have drove their vehicles on it. So um, Pete and one of our head guys, Joe, they were out there from basically six in the morning till um, I want to say 11, 12 o'clock at night, just because they did not want to not get this basement done. And then we, we were able to dig it the very next day. And that was also another very long day. Um, And then we, Maybe it was sleep deprived. Maybe it was whatever. But we made a mistake. We called that out immediately, so we knew we had that problem. So wow. we remedied it on the other half of the half of the basement. And we were able to fix our side. And that's something you guys have to, to do in. a lot with. I mean, obviously, you want to eliminate mistakes, but like when mistakes arise, like teach us ignoramuses. I mean, it sounds like that's a yeah. big lesson already. But I mean, anything else pop up that you can teach us about how do you handle? Because this is you know my comment is always when I. <laughs> at Perkins, yeah. you'd cook a freaking chicken tender melt and it'd be wrong and be like, we'll just make you another sandwich. Yeah. This would be easy. I'm down a dollar. 
right? Even in my business, if I make a website, I'm like, I'm down labor costs, right? You guys screw something up. You have to, it's a thousand bucks to get all the trucks and all that tractors out there. Then you got to put a guy in the seat and then you got to drive over there. Like, it's no joke. Like Probably one of the bigger mistakes we end up uh, having is say somebody messes up with a number, right? Basement's supposed to be at 900 feet, 900.0, whatever. And they dig it at um, 999.0, right? Oh, I grabbed the wrong number. I did the wrong math, whatever. You dig it a foot low, right? Um, then you have to come back and you have to put rock in and get an engineer to look at that rock, right? So you got a foot of rock across a thousand square foot basement, 1500 square feet basement. Um, you might end up having a thousand dollar to a four thousand dollar mistake there. Wow, yeah, yeah. So it's like a, it's like a bad chicken nugget or whatever, you know, when you send that food out there, it's just the problem's bigger because the business is bigger. Mistakes happen. That's just the, that's just the doing business. It's it's harder as you grow a business once you scale it up to 20, 30, 40 people. Um, mistakes seem to be uh, more frequent, but as a whole in a business, they're actually less um, less out of your revenue stream than than when they were at the very beginning. At the very beginning, one mistake really eats at you. Um, and personally, for me. Um, mistakes are a, a learning lesson and, and B, um, it's a great contact again with the customer. I'm not yeah. as annoyed by the mistake itself yeah. because if we could pick up the phone and, you know, a lot of the, uh, we've had mistakes a lot of times with, uh, builders our very first time. Uh, um, and for me, what I always say to our crews is let us know so we can be sure to let the customer know. And if we do that, that's a good contact. That's a positive contact with the customer. I don't mm. mind letting customers know when we make a mistake because a lot of people on job sites, they do their best. They do their level best to cover things up. Interesting. And so, so when for you're me, it's, authentic about it yeah. and you take ownership of it yeah. and proactively call. Yeah. And well, mistakes do cost money, and honestly, like Pete is somebody that almost takes it personally. I was just, say, who's the, I was just gonna ask, yeah, who's the one that when something screws up, it just yeah. you, it either eats them, does he get yeah. pissed? Does he like Pete gets Pete used to get very mad, but I mean, it, it, it eats at him. I, I would say that's something that almost keeps him up at night is when, when things happen. In my mind, it's like, well, it, it just is what it is. Let's talk to the employee, make sure that they're learning from it, and let's talk to the customer to make sure we remedy it, and we're over it. And for the most part, when people are making mistakes, that's the best way to learn. True. I've been told that, and so True. it's hard to sometimes bite your lip, but I know that they've learned from that, for the most part, for the next time, so it won't happen again. Pete does take it personally. I mean, it, it, it that kind of stuff, any little thing eats at him mm. in terms of mistakes. It's funny. I was interviewing an entrepreneur, Pam, Pamela Jones of My Girls, and she has an amazing story. And one of the things we were talking about, so she started a house cleaning company, and when she, I mean, it was like she came up and like literally found somebody who was cleaning houses, and she started cleaning houses. She's built a pretty successful business, and the company's called My Girls because she's invited her, her, she has a bunch of kids. Her kids have come in and, and I was asking her, like, how, what was it about you that you'd had to learn as you were trying to help your children succeed in this? And she's like, that I have unreasonable expectations. Yeah. That my expectations of excellence is so freaking high. And I take this so gritty and real that, like, I have to be really careful of that. And that resonated with me because. I'm the same way. And I grew up, I played football, played basketball. Like, I, I'm a firstborn. My dad's not hypercritical, but, like, he tells you the truth. We operate in truth. And, but there's a side of me that, like, every single thing I know, I could give you a speech on why it sucks and mm -hmm. where the poor points are. And, like, and I think that as I've been growing our business is how do I make sure that my vision of excellence is out in front of my people and yet still give them the, 
the the ability to grow into that, but also not to let. I mean, so Pete's got a high standard. Is what you're saying? Pete's standard. <laughs> Pete's standard of himself is yeah. extraordinarily high, and so he's even hard on himself. If he makes a mistake, it's like, oh. I wonder if there's relax. a little bit of birth order thing there. I don't know that. It's you know, always I don't way, know. I, I I don't know how to explain it. But I mean, ultimately, for me, it's I'm I'm pretty. Uh, passive about it it is what it is i'll have the conversation if i have the conversation we actually it's interesting it 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 almost depends on the employee that you're dealing with but we have uh, employees that take it very hard themselves i mean they mm-hmm. just beat themselves up so you almost don't need to have the conversation with them when they know that they make the mistake but and yet sometimes people are stupid and they they don't think and they keep making mistakes like, yeah have you had that and like what what do you what advice do you have around that have you like when? Where's that point where like okay, you made a mistake. Okay, you made another mistake that's similar. It um, depends on the stupidity. I mean, it depends on the actual <laughs> problem. I mean, honestly, what we deal in is is heavy equipment, and it can be a lot of money. And so mistakes. It depends. It, it depends on your definition of a mistake. I mean, we've had an employee many many times be told not to take the truck for personal use, not let their kids um, drive the truck, and quite frankly. He himself um, was caught many a times bringing the truck up to the cabin, and he was caught with his kids driving it. And that's an integrity thing. That, you're that lying an and you're disobeying. Thing. So it's one of those things where I don't know if it's a mistake, but you you end up having to get rid of them because of it. Because mm-hmm. uh, yeah, you can't trust that person um, if they're doing the small things incorrectly. Yeah, yeah. Do you have many um, times where it's just like when they're doing the actual work? They continuously, they just need correction and coaching. They don't respond to that correction and coaching. Like they just keep, you, man, why can't you get the plan to the dig? Or is that not as often? You know, honestly, so, and we'll get into it later on in uh, in our podcast in terms of growing and developing people. But yeah, you, you certainly have that. But that, in the end, that'll weed them, they'll weed themselves out. Whether <laughs> they'll they're, feel the yeah, weight of it I eventually. Mean, we have a program that we roll people from the very beginning of the company where it's, uh, you know, the very first raise that they get, they just show up on time for 30 days, they get a 50% or 50 cent increase. So ultimately yeah, from there, really cool little yeah, structure. Yeah, we have a great structure. And so if they fit in this structure and each thing that they're growing in, they have to get checked off by um, somebody on the job site. So that person tests them out. If they're not growing in that specific little area and they're just stuck there, sure, we'll give them grace and we'll definitely help them out. Um, but if it's something that's continually um, mistakes or they don't want to learn or they have plenty of excuses, after the fourth or fifth conversation, they're either weeding themselves out of the business or um, we end up having to, to, to fire them. All right, I want to keep this story going. Yeah. You're digging. Things are going well. You got the builder. Yeah. Starting to build momentum. Now, just give me a survey over the last three or four years. What's it been like? You dug 500 basements. Like, Because we're kind of at the end of this story now, right? We're kind of getting... Yeah, yeah. I mean, there's a last little shift here that's occurred to a degree, but yeah. cover the... cover the Put the capstone of your story here a little bit and help us understand what the last three, three years have been like and what... You, starting from COVID... Pre-COVID? <laughs> Maybe two years before COVID. Um, yeah. Uh, well, I don't know. Holistically, I'll step back and give you a larger picture because I kind of look at the numbers this way. Yeah. Um, and and in my I, I spill this logic to the bankers too, right? You, you had COVID, right? 2021 um, was a pump. Uh, 
we had obviously uh, some riots up here, the Floyd things, and then um, we had uh, the COVID, right, which puts people working from home. So then all of a sudden the, the, the housing market booms mm-hmm. because people need a, a place to work, right? And they need a separate room away from their kids or something like that, or they don't want to be in the cities where all the action's at. And yeah, people quit traveling and dump their money in and out. New homes, upgrading yep. homes, yep. all sorts so of stuff. So there was a total pump there, um, something outside of the norm. So that's 2021 and 2021. Uh, we And that translated, you guys are busy as can be, is what you're yeah. saying, right? Yeah, out, out of control. I mean, out of control. I don't want to say out of control in the sense for the insurance company, but um, just just banging, right? Numbers are so much over the norm, maybe three times the norm, right? When the norm was uh, doing about 30 to 40 a month, um, we were doing 70, right? So you're taking this, this, this model that's set up for doing 30 to 40 a month, right? 40 is your max, and, and we're doing you mean 70. Basements a month? Or yes. Okay, okay. Yeah. yeah. So there was a couple, a few months where we were doing 70 some a month, Jeepers. right? And the builder is saying, oh, this is totally normal. You know, I don't know why anybody. And it's like, it's completely outside of the norm. Yeah. But the bottom line is everybody was just reacting to that, that uh, large lump that, that moved through economy, right? So you got the pump. And then you got the dump, right? Yeah. And so, uh, so that's year one. Year two is 2022, in my opinion, in this picture. And uh, so after COVID, um, year two starts to slow down, right? And it, it it's normalized, but there's nothing pumpish about it. There's no 70 homes. It's your it's your typical 30 a month or something. And then you're so running you're still some going norms. at a consistent yeah. rate right now. Yeah, yep. it's not what it was. I mean, so and just so everybody knows context right now, it is February 2023 as we record this. Yeah, mm-hmm. we've had a, a, about a year of pretty dramatic so we, um, interest rates yeah, and yeah. Um, pretty dramatic government spend, increased taxes, dramatic supply chain issues. It kind of ended about seven, eight, well, about a year ago. And there's still some, but there's like it was some. really bad. Yeah, a year. It's, and a half it's still ago. bad. I just don't think it, it's in different things, right? So, yeah. um, last year after that pump, during the pump and after the pump, they couldn't get showers, right? The, yeah. the fiberglass showers, the, the windows. The, the pans. I heard windows were like yeah. windows, windows, three, four months, Garage maybe longer doors. than that. Garage doors, four or five months. Um, there's there's so many jobs going Appliances. on from the pump. They couldn't get trash bins, so they're just filling the garages up with trash, hoping they get a bin next week to get it. You know, all that trash loaded in the trash bin. And when you say pump, everybody wanted a new house. Yep. Yeah. Interest rates were low. Values were up, so you get a big old down payment to buy a new house. People are trying to get out of people the people trying to get out of the yep. cities, and so demand went way up. Plus, then we had all of this nonsense. Get applied to all of our industries. So supply chain, China yeah. got hit. Everybody, yeah. I mean, because of all that, if people don't remember, like we we bought this house a year ago, and when our house was getting built, like there was stuff that they, oh, we can't get your sliding door. It was still, but the people who had bought three or four months before, it was like, it was just you'd maybe you'd get doors and windows, like yeah. they wouldn't tell you an end date. The houses that are getting built in this neighborhood right now, they're going up swiftly. Like the, I and I don't know. If the demand, the demand's certainly not there. Like they're not selling; they're sitting empty. When we bought, it was like a house became available. They had a freaking lottery. In fact, we ended up buying this house because the developer across the street, Dr. Horton, we found a model we wanted. I knew I needed a lower level like this that we're in. I have four kids. I needed a bunch of square footage. I didn't want to spend a ton of money, and so I'm very utilitarian. I'm like, I need square feet. I don't want a lot of money. And so we found this model, and we we call them, hey, we're pre-approved. We'd love to do this. We're going to have a down payment, blah, blah, blah. And they're like, that's cool. Get in line. We do it through an 
a lottery. And I'm like, what? And they're like, yeah, um, for this neighborhood, there's two streets that were going to be, and there's like three of them that were going to have the size home that we wanted. So there's, there's literally maybe 15 houses that we could get. And for every single one, there was a line of 40 people in mm-hmm. the lottery. And and when I did the math even more, there was four. So we have a four in 30 chance of being chosen. I'm like, uh, that's, that's no weird. Bad. That's not real. Like, that's got to be fake. There's no way that that means demand is being equipped in a false way. Like the fact that we have values are high. So when you sell, you get fake down payment money, which allows you to buy high, which drives up values, which allows you to get fake down. Like the down payment rules actually, I think, played into this plus the 2%, 2 yeah, yeah. percent the fake Fed pump, all that. Loans, all were, never, money. loans were never cheaper. That's 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 peak. That was peak society at that point where you're getting loans for two point five percent or something that. of that nature. Yeah, yeah that was we that well. was that was peak for us, right? That was peak selling homes, peak selling debt. I mean, it was. But it was very interesting. It was a, it was one heck of a learning process because um, I would say in terms of our just our small business, we went through forty people. We probably went through two hundred thousand dollars in goals payroll with something like that, and another. I want to say um, two hundred thousand. What do you mean? Say that again. People showing up for week one and they weren't interested in the job, or showing up for one day, <laughs> or showing up for three weeks. You're because that's the up, other side. We can't find anything. People. Yeah. So I mean, we when I say ghost payroll, it was it was money that just got fried over oh, the course of forty people that started working with us. So ultimately, and then we 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 also we, we figured out how to advertise to get the employees through the door. But um, that also costs about $40,000 that year. So you have to advertise mm-hmm. for it? Ghost payroll. Yeah. So I probably called 1,000 people. Um, I probably interviewed uh, 250 people, and we hired uh, 44, and four of them were wow. good enough to keep around. Okay. Now things right so around when I bought 2022, this house. Yeah, mid-2022, um, I think the rates started Fed's going up, up right? Yep. The Fed started yeah. really swinging the rates up hard, not just a 0.5 or something like that. Like, context, when I started my conversation, I don't mean to interrupt you. It's yeah, no. Two and a half percent when I started. Yeah. By the time I closed on my house two months later, everything was, I closed at around four. Yeah. And my neighbors that closed two months after me were at six. Yeah. Yep. And I was like, you got to be kidding me. Yeah. So, yep. Keep going. Today we're looking at like 6.75%, but um, the, the rates started to go up in July, right? And that. That that chilled the whole home building market, right? It's a it's a big engine uh, running to supply homes for a lot of people, and it was taken to the max, right? And then um, what happened is that um, I think buying one weekend in July, we heard oh somebody had a bad sales weekend, and then that was it. Everybody heard, and everybody just kind of hit the brakes, right? There's no point in putting specs in the ground. Um, we're only building with things that have a name on it. We're trying to close out the existing stuff that we already have in the ground. So uh, I wouldn't say it came to a halt, but it uh, the the volume maybe went down 60, 70, 80 uh, percent mid-July last year in 2022. And now obviously we're here February 2023 and things are um, starting to percolate again and get moving. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Why the volume happened to go down? We we as a as a business we're forecasting our future for the next year, two years, three years, five years, and what we anticipated is um, some sort of recession coming along, and we thought it would be a forty to fifty percent hit as a company, and we we planned on taking that kind of a um, uh, recession. But ultimately, what had happened is is because the builders got so far behind on homes, they went and put a lot of specs in the ground as well, and so we were dealing with builders that. 
because we're on the front end of the, 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 the home building process, we would dig the basement and then we would backfill the basement. They had, um, for small to medium sized builders, they had 10 to, um, a hundred houses that they had, um, on the ground that weren't sold. Yeah. And even large builders went from anywhere from a hundred to say a thousand homes. Um, wow. and so there was just an over, um, over glutton of or a large inventory of homes that didn't have names on them. And so that's why the business went down so much. So ultimately our business went down by about 80, 90%. Now we're getting back up to that 40 to 50% that what we expected, but now it's time to diversify the business and work with feedback wrench to, um, get another Sewing water, baby. Yeah. Get another pipeline of work. Yep. Yep. So, so, the, kind of the cap there, and we're gonna we're gonna unbox all this, but this is really the survey yeah, yeah. of the business. That's what this episode's all about. So you guys, when you when you've done this pivot, you guys talk to us. You did some nimble things, right? So you've you've had to you've purposely you got out ahead of anything. Yeah. You're like, hey, it's good right now. And there's some maybe some clouds on the horizon. We're and, yeah, and, we're YouTubers, just just like everybody else watching here. Um, and, you know, we could kind of read the tea leaves coming. You know, there was a lot of grumblings of things happening. And uh, so, yeah, we tried to get out. We tried to preempt, I guess, the market slow down. What were some things that you did? You've shared them with me. But yeah. Walk us yeah. through those a little bit. Um, well, the biggest thing probably is our equipment, right? Obviously, labor is one of the big bills uh, in a small business. Uh, probably, I, If I would just take a guess, generally everybody's... Uh, Labor is about 30% of, of their P&L expenses. Um, it's going to sit in there as about a 30% number. Um, and then equipment's a big thing, right? If That's the easier thing to, to part with, right? There's a lot of talent on our roster that we didn't want to part with. Um, and so that's a, that's a, a sticky thing. You want to try to keep the good people. But equipment, it comes and it goes, right? So um, that was a, a line item that we, uh, we sold a, a good chunk of equipment off, um, I you said that was a good thing because there's kind of a slowed down, and there's kind of a premium because equipment's not. Tell us what so was we, the environment. We sold there? into that, right? In theory, I think we sold into that. I don't think um, everything was perfect, but with that being said, there was still a demand for it at that time, right? Just like when you know you're one um, out of forty people, or three out of forty for those houses to get a house, um, the demand was high at that point, right? So if somebody came to the market with a house, you'd be like, "Sure, I'll take it," right? Because you were saying Ziegler. Can't even. There was what was that? Well, thing at you the time, Ziegler was um, struggling to get machines, right? Yeah, yep, struggling to get machines, just like everybody else is with uh, all the parts, you know, being delayed, the supply chain crisis, whatever. They can't get machines, but the rental department is is running at max, right? So um, they were happy to to buy equipment because as long as they had the equipment in the lot, they could rent it out. Eight out of ten times, you know, running at maybe an eighty five percent utilization rate, is if they could get it. They could put it out. So you sold back to Ziegler. So they, they won. Get it. They paid we a, won. A, a good dollar. They gave yep. you a good offer. We thought offer it was a very it. fair fair offer. Yep. So you got that off the books. Yep. That frees up everything from a little bit of credit to cash to payments. Yep. You, and you, you shifted down and kept your, your best employees. You had to let some... You, you didn't. I think natural attrition is yeah. where some of the employees went, right? We, we came out, and uh, I think this was a little uh, ahead of the curve, not, not patting ourselves on the back, but a lot of people don't say anything. And uh, we essentially kind of, we think we came to the guys and we said like, hey, this is going to be worse uh, than anything you've seen in a while, right? This is going to be 08 style, we believe, right? Mm -hmm. And through that, that makes people nervous and they're trying to go, well, I, I can't really take this cut back. I need to do something for myself. And uh, 
so through that, uh, telling these guys they really need to, to tighten up and, and mind their budgets, um, some people decided to, to, to take care of themselves in a different way, right? And yeah. so that's, that's worked out. Um, you know, we haven't really had to uh, lay anybody off. You know, we've tucked some hours back or whatever or held, you know, let's not do overtime. Let's just stay out of overtime. Yeah. Let's just work up to our 40 and then tap out um, or maybe a, a touch less, but, you know, keeping guys busy. Your kind of business in eight and nine is the one that you got hit first. Yeah. Because the builder kept their money, went under if they couldn't do anything, and then they didn't pay you, mm-hmm. and then you guys went under. Yeah. That's what my dad told me. In 2008, he's like, we were the first. So that was the first bill you don't pay is your mission. When you guys yeah. don't get paid, you let, yeah, come collect it. Yeah. We'll take the dinger. We'll take the credit dinger. Yeah. And so my dad knew very early that the, the recession was coming back in 2008, 2000, 2008. And, uh, <clears throat> and then after that, you know, I remember, people don't remember this because, we were in an area right on the edge of growth. So I live in, in a suburb in Minneapolis here, right? And we were right where all of the growth was pushing out. In fact, I ended up moving out to uh, 10 minutes south of here, Elko New Market. And that's really where they had done a bunch of groundwork because that was going to be the new, like, they're going to push all the way down there. And 8 and 9, um, that area and then New Prague, another outlying suburb, not even really a suburb, it's yep. barely a suburb. So I was very intimate with like, there was a whole bunch of houses going in the ground, townhomes everywhere, and then all of a sudden it just stopped. Mm-hmm. Like roads leading to fields. Yep. Like it was just crazy. And I know that companies like you guys took it in the teeth. So when you guys react to shift down, it's wise. Like it, it's not because you guys are overly paranoid or anything. It's you guys are the ones that'll take it. Like it's, at well, this point, yeah, you gotta, you gotta, you gotta make moves. And I mean, you gotta kind of take your, your um, feelings aside um, and your, your pride aside, you got to kind of eat that and you just got to make the moves quick because you got to, a, a, you know, keep the business, but you got to protect your employees as well. And so we felt like making the moves very quickly um, gave us an, uh, an operational advantage. Um, so we were one of the first ones, or if not the first one, to start uh, selling our equipment back. And the dealer was happy to take it back at that point in time. Now the dealer, I think, is saying, whoa, whoa, whoa. They've got their brakes on and taking equipment back because I think they've got enough. So yeah, you got to kind of take and swallow your pride and uh, give it back. It's whoever reacts very quickly in times like this are the ones that can kind of, um, hopefully, the ones that are that survive it. So Mike, goals moving forward. I kind of know them. Help us understand for anybody listening. So here we are. You you, sh- you pulled back a little bit just to create some margin. You've done a little bit of repositioning. You've been working B two B this whole time, selling to contractors. Now we want to do a little bit of direct to consumer. Uh, you're going to do sewer, water, um, utility repair, that type of thing. But what else? Like you guys, I know we have some ideas of what we want to do together. Talk to us about what the next five to ten years. What are you hoping to do? Um, what's the future look like for you guys? Yeah. So I'm kind of a visionary. I get lost in ideas, right? I'm not an executor, right? I, 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 I spill ideas all over the table um, with uh, uh, lack of execution, you know, to, to actually get it done. But with that being said, um, I think we can use this platform as, a, you know, as an incubator. I've got something on the wall in my office. It's an incubator with eggs in it, you know, so it's keeping it hot so they hatch. And I got names, little uh, ideas I have that eventually I want to hatch, right? So mm-hmm. one of those businesses is uh, uh, slinging uh, aggregates slinging rock. I think there's a more efficient way to place materials on yeah. the job site. Um, 
That's the one, the one thing you have to go after is efficiencies right now. When when labor's high and it's going to be high, when inflation's high and it's going to be high, you have to figure out how to uh, get more efficient, right? So that is a, a total efficiency play. I, I'd like to see that come to fruition. Um, in front but of your that. ideas are good. I just want to interject a little bit. <laughs> I talk to a lot of people that call me. In fact, I think I told you Monday or Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, I just wake up, my calendar is like booked. I'm like with people that are like starting businesses, entrepreneurs, trying to grow. And a lot of people are full of crap or yeah. they they just have bad. What's cool about your guys' ideas and your perspective is it's because you're up in the game and you see these problems, you see inefficiencies, you see places, and you're in a really hard industry that it it's not just anyone that can dig basements and, and have this machinery. Like you're in an area, and I think construction suffers from this in a way that still has while on one side construction is ultra efficient on one end. There are other areas, especially in the home building, the stick built, like there's a lot of inefficiencies and everything from aggregate to and you've brought up some unbelievably valuable ideas i think that i we shouldn't even tell anyone right now because yeah. i think that they're that aggregate there's, there's one a is lot of huge. ideas we can fire off here and show people how to how to launch you know run an existing business and launch new businesses and uh for anybody who feels discouraged by the economy what it is what it looks like right now what we're living through these changes um i used to fly fish and i always you know uh you came back to the river every year and the river was different why because mm. the snow melted up high on the mountain High flows of water moved all the rocks, changed all the pools, and everything that you knew it was new again that next year, right? And I think that's what's going on right now. You got a fast flow of water, which would be an inflation, high labor costs, a changing market, which is essentially going to change the the stream that we all swim in and work in, and um, it's going to expose new new honey holes full of gold. And that's that's what I want to find and scoop up. Absolutely. And here's I'll just end with like I'm super encouraged. So no matter what, I think the trades are where it's at. So we're, we're doing College of Dirt because we want to treat, teach people whether you want to get into excavation and you're going to be tied to new construction, if you want to do a landscaping company, if you want to lay concrete patios, if you want, like, there are not enough people right now entering the trades. We all have kind of heard that, but what people don't understand is all the wealthy people I know, all of them, the well, or I will say the wealthiest people I know right now, all have their own trades-based something business, all of them. I know some wealthy people that are in other areas, but folks, if you're considering going to college right now, I would say the game plan is you sign up when we get this going to College of Dirt, and maybe you go to community college and learn how to write, and you get a job in an industry that you'd flirt with starting a business five years from now. That's much better tuition Mm -hmm. right now than going and drinking and being a moron for four <laughs> years, six years, spending money, working, like, are you even going to work? Like, uh, And that's the critical side of it. The upside of it is there's so much wealth to be made. I always tell people, like, entropy itself is going to make sure that the concrete breaks, and they're going to make sure that, like, the HVAC gets ruined, and it's going to make sure every trade business right now is in position to win because gravity, yeah. because of the sun, and and... And then you have all the other funny games that'll show up because of our central planning bureaucrats that want to replace everything and turn it into a lithium-fueled battery, whatever that is. We'll get into that. We have have a perspective. We're okay if you don't agree with us. That's all right. Um, We think you're wrong and full of crap, but that's all right. Um, (laughs) But I get excited because, folks, if you're thinking about starting a business, it can happen. You got to go out 
And you gotta lay the sod though. Yeah. You gotta eat some snow. Yeah. You gotta freaking get out and take that risk of like when you took the risk to say yes to a contract and then go buy the equipment. There was 9,000 little things you had done well up to that point to know that you could execute, and you knew you'd find a solution. Yeah. I always talk to accountants. They'll be like, I don't know if I can do this and that. And I'm like, because they're worried that they don't know how to do the accounting side of it because there's some financial things they don't know. I'm like, do you know where where to go look? Yep. That's all you need to know. Yeah. Like, I didn't know how to do any of this. I, did, I build websites in Webflow. I do story brand marketing. I know how to use Adobe Premiere, Adobe... Everything I know, I didn't know how to do any of it when I first met you. None of it. I've taught myself on my own through YouTube and through trial and error everything that I do. And we have a very successful little business. You guys used to, what was it, pizza and T-Mobile. Yeah. Used to make pizza, yeah. yeah. Now, Pete probably taught you all sorts of stuff back in the yeah, day. Oh, yeah. Like, just get out, find a problem, and try some stuff. Go get in a business that you, if you want to start your own business, go get a job in that industry yeah. and go learn it. I'll never forget, I got, so I'll, I'll just end on this, and you guys interject, you get good stories, but I got, I was at Perkins, and it was like, I hate this, this is, I was working 5 p.m. to 5 a.m. overnights, four nights a week. I was like, I came back from playing Division One football, so I, I got a full-ride scholarship to play football, right? I didn't do any homework my senior year. I skipped class. I hated school. I was with my girlfriend all the time. It was just, I was a fool. And then I, my recruiter's like, uh, kind of saw the writing on the wall. I get down to NIU, Northern Illinois University, to play football. And it was like, I hadn't prepared a lot. I was like, that whole summer, I was more like, I want to be with my friends and enjoy. This is the grand whatever. And back then, I was drinking beer and being foolish. I show up, and I got a rude awakening. I got my ass handed to me but then i got in shape and it was all fine everything was good while we're doing four-day practices but then all of a sudden i had to be an adult and i was kind of addicted to drinking beer i'm like yeah i gotta like do my laundry go to school i have to work out i have to do football and then like a whole bunch of beer drinking and that didn't work so i ended up quitting coming back get a job at perkins i work at perkins for two years and i'm like okay i don't want to do it's like I'm afraid one of my daughters is a little bit like me. It's like, I kind of have to work the equation out of like, okay, I don't want my life to be that. Mm -hmm. And then I go to Best Buy and I'm like, I kind of go through this little, like at first I do well. And then I'm like, I'm, I'm still kind of drinking and being late and this and that. And then, and then I, I ended up going and trying to work for an entrepreneur that actually had a web, it was called Truewell. They were trying to sell websites to um, ministries. And I was there for one year and I was just like, oh, it's just, Nonsense. Like, I wasn't working as hard as I should have. But I came back to, I, I, I left Truewell because it was like, I just don't want to do this anymore. We should just stop, guys, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, okay. And I'm like, well, what do I do? So I'm at this moment, I'm like, what do I do? Well, I go get a job at Applebee's for like four months and I'm just serving. I'm like, this is stupid. Like, I'm not going to do this. Well, then my buddy that was at Best Buy, he saw me at Applebee's. He goes, what are you doing? Why are you here? Come back to Best Buy. Like, you were our best salesman. I'm like, Oh, you'd still have me back? <laughs> like, literally, I was like, I had already burned that bridge. I thought it was done like football. I was like, and then I came back, and I'll never forget, I, I had driven out to Wisconsin and back, and I listened to this John Maxwell CD that my yeah. dad had given me. And it was all about, you know, John Maxwell stuff. But there was this one part in there that was talking about just pursuing excellence. And then there was another thing about real relationships and great sales. And I'm like, God, this is what I love. 
And I remember I came back to Best Buy on that first day, and I'm like, I'm going to outlearn everybody I'm around. I want to know this business in and out. And it was that moment that when I came back, I quit drinking, I quit being a moron, and I just tried to be as good as I can. And then and then I kind of got promoted, and then I got hired and got a different job at Eagle Brook, and then I get fired, and then and then I get recruited to go to Thrivent, and oh, this is okay, but I'm still trying to learn the whole time. And then then I'm like, well, there's this... Maybe I'll do this business thing with this tax. Anyways, that's my whole story. But the reason why I frame that up is like, I think folks, go get it. Like, you two are providing a game plan for people to like fast forward through so much stupid tuition. Like, if you're smart about it, you still got to take it on the chin. It's still, mm-hmm. still good to sell a lot of fun. I mean, I sold probably 10,000 computers when I was at Best Buy. Like, when I do the math on it, I'm like, I sold a lot of computers. I mean, think how many phones you sold and pizzas. Yeah, yeah. Like, it's good to get those reps, but there's also, like, what's cool, our intent on College of Dirt is, like, we could maybe fast-forward some of this for you and at least start either young people or people that want to start a business or maybe you have a business you want to improve. Like, we want to provide our tuition, and that's at this College of Dirt, to me. Yeah. That's what I'm really excited about. And then give you specific things, not just this broad nonsense. I don't know. You guys got anything to add to that? Oh, we've been doing this for, you know, a total of a little over 14 years or something like that. And um, there's always just gems picked up all along the way, right? And we want to, I guess, bring those gems to uh, small businesses out there. We want to see people try a small business, get into a small business, thrive at a small business. And we want to uh, deliver those gems, those aha moments that uh, took us a long time to learn. Mm-hmm. Maybe maybe somebody else brought them to us. Maybe we learned it through a hard lesson or something, but we just want to bring those, you know, that insight uh, to people in small businesses. And maybe that helps them along and helps them grow a business and start something new. Absolutely. Yeah. Me personally, I'm, 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 I'm excited about growth for me, myself, my brothers, our company, um, and then the people that we work with, the employees that we work with, and then hopefully we can help uh, uh, folks outside um, in um, with our previous experience and maybe in real time uh, experience of things that you run into as a small business owner. I always say to the guys that we work with or the folks that we work with, um, you should give small business a try. Everybody should try it at least mm. once. I mean, it's it is an amazing experience. It's the best and worst experience that I've ever ever had to deal with. I mean, quite <laughs> right. honestly, there are some days that you want to throw your hands up and you want to you just want to give up, and then other days, um, you, you 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 just can't believe the the great people that you get to work around and be around and and be a part of. I mean, really, we've had uh, a crazy cool experience of developing. Um, amazing people within the company. And so mm. that's something that we're very passionate about and hopefully we can help others do the same. Absolutely. Yep. Well, like and subscribe. So this will go up on, on Ground Tech, on Feedback. Yep. And we'll get, we're going to have College of Dirt coming. We're going to have all sorts of stuff yeah. heading. So guys, Mike, Steve, Boom. I appreciate it. That was fun. Likewise. Absolutely. Yeah. Thanks, Rob. Boom. Boom. There's a red button on the top of that thing. That was good. That was a good service.